The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells and with me today as always is New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor. Hey Maureen. Hey David. We've got a great show for you today. First we're going to remind you about the Sex Lives voicemail box. We've been ending our shows with your responses to questions we ask about topics from previous weeks. So this week you're going to hear a pretty great story from this listener. I actually had a sex dream that was so earth-shattering that it transcended from my dream life and spilled over into my real life in a pretty significant way. That's coming up later on, but first on today's show, Sex on Film. We're super happy to be joined in studio today by directors Pamela Romanowski and Joey Kuhn, um, who both have movies opening this year that feature some fascinating sex scenes and inspired Maureen to like gather them up in the studio and talk about how they shoot people boning. Um, so maybe the maybe the way to start is for each of you to tell us a little, just a very little bit about your movie and also about how sex plays into it. Pam, do you want to start? Yeah. I'm Pamela Romanowski. I'm in a film called The Adderall Diaries that's playing at Village East Cinemas and is on demand on iTunes and Amazon and such. Um, it's a film about a writer who has an ongoing feud with his father about what happened between them. And it's about the way that we remember things differently and why. And sex plays into it in his relationship with um, a new a new woman in his life who wants the relationship to succeed. And there are several barriers to that happening. Uh, one is that they're both recovering from a lot of trauma and addiction. And the other is that he is into SM sex and she is not. Um, so she is willing to get on board with a lot of his life choices in the beginning, and then it becomes a bigger problem. I, as a personal fan of any movie that like depicts a man being like submissive and subjugated, I do feel it's important to note that it is a submissive man, yes. which has been so missed in, in the mainstream cinema lately. Yeah. And Joe, you want to tell us about your movie? Sure. So uh, I wrote and directed a movie called Those People. And Those People comes out May 6th in New York at Cinema Village and uh, in L.A. at the Arena Cinema. And then it'll be on DVD, VOD, iTunes, Amazon on June 14th. Um, and it's about a young gay artist from the Upper East Side who is torn between a lifelong infatuation, obsession with his gay best friend, who's the son of like a Bernie Madoff right after the scandal, Um and the other guy is uh, this Lebanese pianist who's incredibly charming and a bit older. Um, so it's this gay love triangle set on the Upper East Side. But there's a group of friends, gay and straight, coming of age in New York City. And it's got a little bit of like a Perks of Being a Wallflower vibe um, meets like Brideshead Revisited. With a little bit of Gatsby in there, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the movie's a coming of age story, really, for the lead character, Charlie. And so... It was important to have sexual experiences for him in the film. That's just one of the touchstones of coming-of-age films in general. And it's also a romance, so yeah. you, you would expect to see some sex. Um, and it was important to me to try and make all the sex scenes honest and dramatic in some way, not just sex for sex's sake. Because I think in gay films especially, you get a lot of sex scenes for no other reason than just to throw a dick on screen and you know make your audience happy. And I wanted the film to be accessible to people both gay and straight. There's no full frontal male nudity in it. Um, I think sometimes that can take you out of it. But there is are quite a few butts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess on a sort of larger scale, I'm wondering in the age of porn, what role sex scenes serve and if it's changed? Um, like for me, I know when I'm watching movies, 
I'm so incredibly conscious at this point of the fact that, you know, sex scenes are the least sexy scene to shoot. And people sort of always say these things. Mm -hmm. Whether that's actually true, I'm totally curious if you guys agree with that. Um, And I'm so sort of conscious of the fact that I'm watching something akin to, like, an action scene where I know that the people aren't actually kung fu Mm -hmm. fighters, that there's a stunt double doing it. I guess I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about, like, the philosophy of the sex scene sort of at this particular point in time. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sex is so important to us as human beings that... I think we want to see it reflected in film Mm -hmm. um, and in, you know, narratives. I think um, maybe in the past, whereas people could, you know, watch a sex scene in a movie to get titillated or get aroused, they maybe don't go um, to films for that same reason. They just will, you know, go on the Internet, find porn. So the titillation factor just sort of falls away in your eye. Uh, It doesn't fall away because I think inevitably you're watching people on screen having sex one, you know, it's characters that you're Mm -hmm. maybe identifying with as well. Um, So you, you know, identify emotionally with them and you're going through the sex scene with them. I'm not sure. I feel like I could only, I can only think of like a couple of sex scenes that I've ever seen that I thought were hot. Almost Mm -hmm. always I have the feeling that like, as though I'm like watching them with my dad and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like trying Are you to always rep- watching them with always your dad? every sex scene, <laughs> every um, single movie. I guess people growing up in earlier generations, like before porn might've um, actually gotten more turned on by what they were seeing on screen. Hmm. I don't well, know. I think porn serves a really particular function. That's for the viewer to get off. Yeah. And a narrative film serves a different function, which is for the viewer to follow a story and to follow relationships. So usually in a movie, the progression is about relationships and that relationship involves drama. Mm-hmm. So sex is one of the yeah. <laughs> one of the territories in human relationships that's the most ripe for drama. And so I think, you know, it's rare to have a film that involves a romantic relationship where you don't have a sex scene. And it's not there to, you know, talk you into seeing the film by being titillating. It's there to provide information about the relationship, how it's going, why these people are attracted to each other. Um Usually when I love a sex scene, it's because it gives you great insight into the character and it propels mm-hmm. the narrative. So I don't think porn is usually propelling a narrative. It's just there to get you Not off. these days anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, I also think that when I was trying to think of my favorite sex scenes, yeah. I was like, what were my favorite movies when I was 13? Because I feel like a lot of these sex scenes that stick with you are probably from a time when you were coming into your own sexuality and discovering your own um, feelings. And mm-hmm. so... What's on um, that list for you? I mean, the really cheesy one that comes to mind is Cruel Intentions. Uh-huh. and um, Which scene in particular? So it's when uh, Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe first have sex. You know, um, he like meets her at the top of the escalator at the train station. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm impressed. And he's like, well, I'm in love. And then Counting Crows <laughs> colorblind starts playing. And they're like, you know, having this very loving, intimate sex scene, like, backlit by golden light and he's like are you okay because uh, Annette Hargrove from Kansas City Kansas played by Miss Witherspoon is a virgin up until this mm-hmm. point so she's losing her virginity and um i think that a lot of movies where characters lose their virginity are are scenes yeah. that we remember because that is dramatic and that is a major touchstone of the coming of age film which well, is incredibly popular you might remember scenes about teenagers losing their virginity more from the time you were in that phase I have a feeling if you were, yeah. you know, if you're 60 years old and recently divorced, probably the the sex scenes you're really going to love are about people who are middle-aged and recently divorced and have a new partner. I think, I, and, in general, the movies that I connect with the most 
including the sex scenes in them, are things that speak to some struggle I'm going through, something I relate to. Well, also, like, when you're a teenager... And that that connection is also because that's your access to sex. Yeah, you know right. that it's sort of shaping your actual understanding of what it even is. Yeah, of that like like for me, I think I watched you know that actually I don't remember what age I was when Cruel Intentions came out, but there were sex scenes where like the teen losing their virginity, and I didn't know what losing virginity would even be like. Yeah, right. isn't there like a super famous like from our generation super famous scene of like somebody getting fingered by Mark Wahlberg on a roller coaster in some movie? Fear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Also Reese Witherspoon. Is it? <laughs> yeah, but you know what's really messed up about that? That's actually a scene that's like the guy who ends up being her stalker and like yeah. terrorizes their family. But, but I, I also like recall so people talk about that it, it was super so hot. hot. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing that's sort of disturbing about this idea that people get a lot of their information about sex from movies. And now I would add to that, like teenagers get a lot of information about what sex is from movies and from porn. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think... Both of those are wildly inaccurate mm-hmm. to what their yeah. sexual experiences are going to be like. By the movie rule book, sex is like um, people kissing a lot, seeing someone suck on a nipple, and then some like <laughs> moaning and like their bodies are sort of rubbing together, but it's like really unclear what happens. And then they tumble back into the sheets. Yeah. And, and somehow like, they always have their underwear on. That's in my, the I hate that. The bra and the Sex woman. scenes and bras. Yeah. You know what I really want to murder people. Um, I will also say Cruel Intentions, that sex scene is not one of my favorite sex oh. scenes. It's just a memorable one yes. that kind of like defined my Just to correct the record. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> what I will say is also, I think um, the reason I think about those losing virginity scenes more and connecting it to when I was a teenager is because as a gay man, you don't really see a lot of gay sex in mainstream uh-huh. cinema. So um, growing up and, you know, discovering that I, w- I was gay, like there weren't a lot of um, films out there for me that uh-huh. showed what gay sex was. And I even think the first time I saw gay sex on film where I thought, oh, you know what, that's kind of what it's like and that's what it's like to be gay now was the movie Weekend by Andrew Haig. Uh-huh. That movie in general is extremely honest and intimate and it feels almost improvisational, but actually uh, the whole thing is written and scripted. Uh, but and that's those... just a few years ago, correct? Yes. Yeah. I really like the sex scenes in Weekend because they feel so honest and you feel like you're observing something you almost shouldn't be looking at. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think also because the characters were so f- well-drawn and well-acted by um, Tom Cullen and Chris New that I think those sex scenes are a lot more successful and they mean a lot more when the surrounding material is excellent. And other than that, I think the sex scenes that resonate with me are sex scenes that are different or weird or awkward or something uh-huh. I haven't seen before. Um I mean, one of the ones that came to mind was the John Cameron Mitchell movie Short Bus. Right. Which, when it came out, was particularly incendiary. And, you know, they wouldn't even let it be listed on IMDb as a narrative film. It was categorized as porn because there's a lot of actual sex in it and a lot of nudity. Um, But it's it's a great film. And there's this really amazing, awkward threesome in it. Yeah. uh, Between three guys. And it's very graphic. I mean, you see, like, boner in mouth and everything. But they're talking each other through the sex scenes. It's like a couple and a third party. And one of the guys is rimming a character played by Jay Brannon. And he is giving him direction on how to do it so it feels better. And he starts singing the national anthem into his butthole. (laughs) And then they all start singing the Star Spangled Banner together as they're, like, holding erect dicks in their Mm -hmm. hand. And it's just wild, and I had never seen anything like that on screen before. It's also not something you would see in a porn because it's just so bizarre. 
short bus was great i think because it was how f- sort of there was so, so much about how funny sex is um which is i think what you're sort of gesturing to when you guys are saying you know you get sort of romance or awkwardness or whatever right. feeling from that but then the actual mechanics of sex is left to other sexual education in theory and or I, whatever one gets yeah. at because the mechanics are the one thing that gets sort of pulled out it sounds like over the course of when you're staging your sex scene also, I think that sex scenes in general, if it's just a sex scene, and especially the ones that Pam was describing, um, the very cheesy, generic, you know, one nipple, one kiss kind of moaning, whatever, is that those aren't inherently dramatic because nothing's really progressing. It's the sex scene is dramatic in the course of a relationship, but yeah. within the sex scene, there isn't much drama. So I think losing virginity scenes are more dramatic because you know that one character is or both are going through a particular emotional journey in their life. So from being a virgin to not being a virgin, you're watching that shift take There's place a within a scene. Yeah. Exactly. So Pam, you talked about some stuff that you don't like about sort of corny sex scenes on film. Mm-hmm. What are your do you have some favorites also? Yeah. Let me pull up my list. So my favorite I actually love Nine Songs. Nine Songs is that Michael Winterbottom film that has it's this couple, they go to rock shows and they have sex and it's real sex. Mm-hmm. Um, 28 Hotel Rooms I also think is fantastic. Wait, what is I don't know. What's that, what's that? 28 Hotel Rooms. It's this little tiny indie um, and it's about this couple who meets in a series of 28 Hotel Rooms and that's how you see the progression of their relationship. Tons of sex scenes and they're really well done. Did you it sounds guys- like, like an episodic sex thing, right? Like, I mean, well, they you have to see, have sex I mean, time. it's over the course of... Um, I want to say like a year, and mm-hmm. so you see, they're not they're not a couple. They're like meeting up. Oh. They're both traveling. Oh, I see. And so you find out about their other relationships and what's happening in their life in these little intervals. Mm-hmm. So their pre and post sex talk is where you like get some of the backstory. Um, the Itumama Tambi and threesome scene. Oh yeah, of course. Um, the little children washing machine sex scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's amazing how yeah. Itumama has become shorthand for so many things I feel like in like a woman's like sexual life and that I have a friend who simultaneously was like I'm going on my Itumama trip like she's yeah. going to Latin America to have sex and then the other yeah. thing of being like I wonder if I can Itumama these two men yeah <laughs> yeah that was kind of, that was a seminal moment in our young lives I feel like yeah. also the dreamers that one I hear oh, people that talk was about all the time and um, two that it's not that the sex scenes are just sexy because they're both um, like kind of icky and problematic but I just think they're great scenes Uh, Blue Valentine their Mm. you know their marriage ends kind of in that sex scene that goes wrong and Shame what I thought Shame did so brilliantly is his sex addiction is so relatable yeah I mean it's extreme but he's really just watching porn a lot and masturbating and having a ton of sex but I it was never so far that you felt like you couldn't relate to the main character. And yeah. so I thought they walked that line really well in shame. Yeah. I often debate whether, so I was debating whether to tell you guys this or not. There's literally one sex scene that I think of while having sex all the time. Yeah. And it's so fucking weird because it's that there was one scene in Nymphomaniac and it's when she's doing the double penetration before or what they don't do it. Yeah. But the one thing she talks about, she's like, she talks about like how thick a vaginal wall is and she's like, they could feel each other's dicks. And yeah. Never done that. That's not what, but it's that, periodically I'll be having sex and I'll think something about like it's this really gross way that she says the word the tissues of the wall or something (laughs) and I'll think of that and just be like grossed out or just like weirded out and it's like it's something about thinking of the body in a super mechanical way during sex 
that gets like stuck in my head and then I like freak myself out with I it. I feel like the for after the first time you hear it or do you think it, you're probably just gonna you're like you're gonna think it every time. Yeah, yeah right. the tissues of the wall of the vagina. Yeah. Like just that that the, the the weird way she enunciates that comes into my head during sex, like periodically. And I also that's me. also memorable to me, but it is more on the like sex bucket list. I was like, I gotta know <laughs> if that's true. <laughs> right. I wasn't gross at all. I was like, that's or like, so hot. <laughs> I love that. It was utterly I'm glad to know that that was so memorable and imprinted on someone else's <laughs> mind too. That is like, is that really the way the like anatomy works huh let me know when you check that off pam how yeah. that goes uh-huh. well i'll come back <laughs> what are some of your guys's favorite sex scenes i really have it's like a super short list that i can remember uh-huh. i really liked um this is a totally mediocre movie but uh there was a sex scene in history of violence it was oh, yeah um great where vigo mortensen is fucking maria maria bella dresses up they were like high school boyfriend girlfriend and she dresses up in her cheerleader outfit and they have sex on the stairs. I thought it was super hot. And the other thing that I thought of was um, uh, all of Last Tango in Paris, which maybe was also important to me because of what you were talking about, Joey, like that I saw it at a sort of formative formative age and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I was like, wow, Marlon Brando is like really uh, not ashamed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I remember the only, so when you mentioned that, I was, um, of course, like I was thinking back to like when I was like young and I remember the most informative sex scene only I think because it like entered my life at an informative moment before I fully understood like um, exactly how an erect penis worked and like my family had a slow internet. This is like a problem that would never afflict somebody except for in this moment of time. <laughs> yeah. Our internet was too slow for me to find out what an erect penis actually, like the angle an erect penis stood at. And yeah. I remember that um, early scene in Jerry Maguire when he's having sex with like, he's having, he's against the bookcase and he's holding her like above him up and down and bouncing her up and down. That I was like, oh my God, when they say the penis is up, it like, it, it literally points upwards. And I was like, oh, like, I feel like I learned about the angle that dicks can reach through yeah. that. <laughs> Well, it's funny yeah. when you see that wrong or like a lot of times in movie sex scenes, like no one has to insert the dick. Like it, it just sort of like slides in, like no yeah, one so uses be... their hands, you know, <laughs> or and when like strange the, angles. Or yeah. when they're in the wrong position. Yeah. Where yeah. like it's so clear. I was looking at like favorite sex scene lists. So I was like, oh, I wonder what like the Internet thinks yeah. in general. Yeah. And they all included that stupid Titanic sex scene that is that like. <gasps> Wait, I don't even the remember head? the sex yeah, scene from Titanic. The there only was sex member, in Titanic? Yeah, they have sex in the car, and there's like a oh, steam right. up window, and her hand runs down that. And it's like, why? So the reason that you hear sex scenes aren't sexy, they're very mechanical, it's like shooting an action scene, um, there's some element of truth to that where it's like, okay, well, we don't want this to be a rated R film, and so we can't show penis, mm-hmm. or... Um, this actress doesn't want to show nipple, and so we need to have the camera positioned so that you know we're not seeing the front of her body square on or whatever. You have all these constraints, and so maybe while they're shooting Titanic, I mean, but you do see Kate Winslet's nipple, so I don't know why there needs to be this super impressionistic like make it about the feelings of sex in a way that's not realistic. Like it's so hyper romantic. No one has ever. Well, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I've never had sex like that. I don't think very many people are, like, thinking about their hand placement on a steamy window while they're in the middle of sex. You're probably thinking about the other person and yourself. I do appreciate the idea that, you know, 
to just be like, eh, we're not even going to shoot the sex scene, right? Like, we'll just, like, get a hand model to do this part. Yeah. <laughs> like, I fully yeah. respect that choice on some yeah. level because, on the other hand, if it's, like, between that and, like, an awkward, like, they're having sex through a garter and I'm really just, like, taken out of the moment because all I can think about is the logistics of it. Yeah. In that sense, I'm like, well, fine. I think it's that I get so caught up in the mechanics of things that I, like, I always sort of lose... Like, I can understand people talking to each other, and I can 100% understand that they're characters and stuff during that, but I always come out of the moment of the movie during the sex scene for me. Mm -hmm. I become very conscious of the fact that these are two actors who are not having sex, who something is being staged in a really particular way, in a way that even when I'm watching a murder scene doesn't happen for me. Why do you think the apparatus becomes present to you? Is it because you don't... Like maybe that filming that kind of scene is much more foreign to you, or is uh-huh. it just something about? Or maybe you or don't have that many be... opinions about what it'd feel like to be in a gunfight, but you that could know be. what it's like to be in a mm. sex. Or it scene. could be that like most of those sex scenes are just really badly done. I don't know. I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I think it's some combination of those that it's like an intense thing that I like at least have like a dim understanding of what needs to happen, you know? Um, <laughs> like I'm not like super evaluative when I'm seeing somebody loading a gun, but like yeah. when they're like taking out a condom that I'm like, no, no, you're holding it wrong. You know, uh, like you're not going to get that on the dick. So how do you get around it? Like how do you do a sex scene well? I don't like sex scenes that are artificially cut up. I think that's the thing that bothers me is, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many edits. Um, so you, you never see like a wide shot. You never see a shot that's very long because it's like nipple, hand clutching sheet. Yeah. Like it always gets montaged. And so maybe that's why it sticks out to you because anytime that you might be the case, yeah. push into a montage, it's a little weird. So you don't have to cut it up that much. And so when I was doing the sex scenes in the Adderall Diaries, um, we shot them long takes. Like I did have, you know, I have to have a roadmap. I'm like, here's here's what the blocking thing is going to be. Um when you say, like, this is the blocking, like, what's spe- – I mean, how specific do you get in instruction like that? It depends on what the actors want. But any any situation that's vulnerable, like a fight scene or a sex scene, they at least want to know that you have a plan. So I'll say, um, I want you to take her shirt off and then I want you to take his pants off and then, you know, you're going to take your own underwear off and then you're going to get on top and – you know, put yourself inside her and then you're going to, you know, like thrust a couple of times and then she's going to get on top. And so it is really pretty choreographed. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And then after that, it's like, well, do you are you guys cool improving? Should we try some other things? Um, because it it can look a little staged or rehearsed if you're like, we have to be at exactly this angle. So this shot is just for her, like back arching or something yeah Mm -hmm. so amber and james are really cool and you know they were up for sort of improving so then you get to have these really like fun intimate exchanges where it's just you know it's a closed set so it's me james amber and the dp who's playing his own focus so there are four people in the room and it becomes clear while you're all throwing out ideas like what you like in bed Uh you know and so sometimes you know you have to have the right to say like i don't like that and so you know, James would try something and everyone would be like, ooh, I'm not into that. Um, I feel like sex scenes are yeah. more window into the what the director thinks Well, about yeah, sex. if the director is, I mean, that's yeah. that's weird. If you're just like a dictator who's like, you're going to take her from behind <laughs> and bend her over the counter and then like grab your dick and spread her, you know, spread her <laughs> butt cheeks. Like, yeah, they find out real quick what you think is hot. <laughs> yeah. And then hopefully if they're great collaborators and want it to feel real, they'll be like, 
why is he why is he spreading my butt cheeks like can't he just like push in you know so you you talk about like i feel this character wouldn't bend over that way yeah or just like (laughs) i don't think that's hot why are we doing that so you get to have this fun negotiation and it's a part of the actor director intimacy that is really cool and you get to find out how you know how each of you lies or experiences disappointment or tries to charm someone or has sex and so Mm. it worked best for me and again it it's different with different actors, but they were cool to just sort of improv. And obviously there's no real sex happening. You're sort of rolling around and, you know, trying different things. But trying to dictate, like, the exact steps felt so weird to me. And so we tried it that way. And then I was like, this feels really weird. Do you guys want to just kind of wing it and, mm-hmm. you I- know, we'll all decide what felt good and what didn't? How how much one is um, a director in one's own sex life, I feel like, is a thing that um, I'm suddenly becoming conscious and thinking about right yeah. now. Like, who's the talent and who's the director? <laughs> <laughs> no, and Or when... some people direct themselves, excuse me, some <laughs> yeah. stars. <laughs> and what one person imagines is happening in someone else's head isn't always the case. Like, I mean, uh-huh. the obvious example is, like, guys who, t- they're like, I'm great at oral sex, and then y- you're like, no, you're not. I don't know whether I should tell you that. Yeah, you're <laughs> you know? like reading a book on the other end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's like you have your narrative about like what sex means to you, what your role in it, like what you're good at and what you like. Yeah. And it just might not be right or it might not be what the other person thinks. But I, I have to say, I think um, as, as Pam was describing the way she directed the beats of the sex scene, um, as yeah, a director, you you're you're a little vulnerable as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when I suddenly realized, like, oh, yeah, like, we have to say all these things out loud. And not everyone is super comfortable, like, talking about sex. And as a, as a director during a sex scene, I feel like you're acting as well. Because part of making a great More sex scene... More than in scene, other scenes, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Because, part, because your actors are so vulnerable. And so much of directing is basically like being a psychologist. And your job is to set a tone on set and... Um, make everyone confident that you can lead them and also most importantly I think make your actors feel safe in whatever mm-hmm. scene you're doing and especially in sex scenes when there's vulnerability because there's nudity involved and they're you know they actually have to touch each other um and engage with each other in a very real way um there's a lot more that you that you have to do for the vibe of the room and so I mean there's some default things like you know as Pam said you have a closed set usually when you're doing these scenes um I had something called a nudity rider Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think most yeah, everyone every, every has yeah. everyone has a nudity writer, which is when you're casting the film, every character has a very detailed breakdown of exactly what skin they are showing, even if they're like shirtless. So that when you show up on the day of the sex scene, there are no surprises and everyone knows exactly what they're in for. Um, but I think in crafting a good sex scene, it's about um, the emotional beats in those people. It's, Charlie, the main character, is losing his bottoming virginity, is how I saw it. I didn't want that to necessarily be explicit, but I told the actors this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I gave them the major emotional beats um, and then let them figure out the timing of it all so they could, you know, move to the next emotional beat when they felt it was necessary. What are, but, I don't think not everyone knows what an emotional beat means. Yeah, so an emotional what beat is, that. is kind of like a change in blocking and a change in the act, actor's emotional state. In my scene, you know, it's Charlie and Tim in bed. They're making out. It becomes clear that Tim, you know, wants to engage in, in anal sex. And there's the moment of uncertainty. And then there's the, yes, I want to do this. 
and then there's uh you know i had him put then he puts his legs over his head <laughs> and then you're like this is where he enters you and the first time you bottom there's you know it doesn't go right in so it was about making sure that that was clear that it wasn't going right in um but i wasn't too particular about how that was going to go it was just like you haven't bottomed before it takes a little bit of trying to get it in and this is what it may feel like for you so we want to see that on your face it seems um sort of like a unique directing experience to mm-hmm. be particularly talking about the mechanics of a really specific thing losing your anal virginity to and this was a straight actor correct so i didn't know whether any of my actors were gay or straight when i cast them and that mm-hmm. was important to me because the film is about men who happen to be gay that is one part of their identity right um and so for me it wasn't important for me to know whether they were gay or straight when they came in because the movie's not about their sexuality also, I just wanted to cast the best actor for the part. Um, so in going into the scene, I had some ideas of whether or not, you know, the actors were, were gay or straight. But I spoke to them as if maybe they hadn't engaged in gay sex and just explained to them, you know, what my experience had been like, what it feels like in case I didn't want anyone to be uncomfortable. One thing I will say about that sex scene, though, is that I knew that I wanted them to have sex face to face because... Even my, I have a lot of straight friends who don't know that gay men can have sex face to face. I feel like Brokeback Mountain like really did a, did a, a <laughs> disservice because that's the gay movie that every straight person has seen, and they think the way we have sex is like you spit on your dick and then you like do a doggy style. And gay sex can be, you know, as intimate as straight sex, you know, face to face. And we have just as many positions as straight people, <laughs> so it was very important for me to show that. Pam, what about the the BDSM stuff in your movie? Oh, yeah. Um, so in the book, The Adderall Diaries, there's a lot of S&M, and it's um, very much about, like, what happens in them. Like, he – I think he finds it really shocking and subversive to talk about it. So, like, he talks about, like, the latex, and he talks about, you know, like, cages and all kinds of things and, like, you know, getting fucked with strap-ons and – I understand the entertainment value or the like self-revealing value of that. But in making the movie, I was like, I want you to feel like you know this character and can identify with him. And I think if you take someone so far out of their world, they're not going to be able to imagine themselves in that situation. Someone being the viewer. Yeah. So the in the in the film, James plays Steven and... <clears throat> And he's a masochist. So what I think is interesting about that is the point of the movie is like, is this guy's psychology is such that he rewrites everything that happens to him into a story about how he was a victim. And you see it play out in all these different relationships. And that's kind of the realization he comes to by the end of the movie is the reason that it seems like everyone, you know, fucks me over all the time is I'm telling all these stories about getting fucked over like anything that happens to him he rewrites into this victim narrative and I just thought it was so interesting that the real life person can't see that in himself and yet in his sex life he needs to be cast as a victim so much that it's literal like he casts himself as a bottom in these intense S&M scenes. That's the only way he can get off is by literally playing a victim. Well, the sexual imagination becomes a really overt imagination. In yeah. That so it's like, yeah, it's the like really overt version of the subtext of all his other mm-hmm. interactions in life. So I thought that was fascinating. And I was like, this is what I need to retain of that. 
So that's an important part of the character, and we need to see him being a masochist. And then the other thing that was important to me is like, well, what do you do if you fall in love with someone who is into BDSM and you're not? Mm-hmm. And I could imagine myself like wanting to please them, thinking maybe I'll like it, and getting into some of these scenarios. And like, you know, there's a point at which you're like, fuck it, I'm out, I don't want to do this. So one of the big scenes in the movie, James's character asks Amber's character to choke him. And she doesn't really want to, but he talks her into it. And he thinks it's going to be great for her and really cathartic. And she's not so sure. So she ends up doing it and um, it goes horribly. He's like, the reason I want you to do this is to tap into all this bad shit from your past and sort of exercise these demons. She does tap into all this shit from her past and it totally undoes her and it's traumatic and she's really upset. So So it's the reverse Fifty Shades. Yeah. But yeah. So that hopefully, well, I love that scene. <laughs> it was, um, it was really rewarding to shoot. You know, it's just a really juicy scene to do mm. with actors, and I love doing that. So I think, you know, I like that there's that element in the movie. I think it serves this great narrative purpose. It tells you about his psychology. It tells you about their relationship. But what I didn't want is, I think, like in in the post Fifty Shades yeah. cultural spectrum, S and M is not very shocking, and it can very easily come across as campy or silly. So I was like, if I put this dude in latex, like I don't want any latex, I don't want any animal masks. Um, It just can come across as silly, and it's not silly to him. It's a really important part of his life. One thing I'm curious about, so when you talk about how sex scenes must be very choreographed, like a stunt scene, Mm -hmm. Is that, like, Joey, in your decision to do it that way, to say, like, these are the exact steps you will take, is that because the actors asked you to do it, or is that because you were like, this is a rule? I didn't do it because I it was a rule. I think I was judging by my conversations with the actors and the vibe I felt in the room. I wasn't very rigid about it. I wasn't like, you're going to do this, and then this, and then this, and then this. I was like, this is how I think it will go. I was clear to denote the important big beats or changes in the scene. But I think I also fell on it as a crutch. Like maybe I was a bit uncomfortable as a director and by outlining everything exactly, it would make me feel comfortable. It almost took like a human part of it away. It was just like all controlled. I had, I had this moment, Joey and I both did a master's degree in directing and there are all these rules that you get. So one (laughs) of the many rules was um, when you shoot a sex scene, you will have it, very carefully choreographed because this is what you have to do for the safety of your actors so they trust you this is what actors want and you must do it i wonder if the part of the reason that sex scenes often seem so artificial and cut up is like maybe that maybe that is sort of the directing rule in the way that that they're too choreographed yeah or just traditionally like i guess that's the way that sex scenes get shot and i do understand that you want to like make sure everyone feels okay about it but you shoot like fight scenes all i mean not i'm not talking about stunt scenes but like you shoot scenes where someone like hits their own mother and you know like gnarly fucked up things happen in movies all the time it's almost hard to we're just so shy and weird about sex you know it's so funny i remember when ang lee came and spoke to our class at nyu he had just filmed lust caution which is incredibly sexually explicit and ang lee said he's so incredibly shy and those days of directing the sex scenes were so hard for him and he would like go home i don't remember if he said he cried but he said it was one of the hardest things he's ever done because for him to talk about sex in the open and direct them in these scenes was was really hard for him. So, But isn't that weird that you're 
like ashamed to talk about a sex scene, but you're like, you know, happy to direct scenes. It's like, and then you stab him in the stomach and yeah. he's going to fall over. And then, you know, the next night you're going to cut his head off. I think it's that, that idea that you talked about, like there's some expression of like true desire and desire is something that we're just like inherently either trained to be embarrassed of or that is so deeply idiosyncratic in yeah. a certain way. Um, I mean, because I suppose one can't have an idiosyncratic way that they just love to see people getting stabbed to death. Yeah. But not too many people do. Yeah. But yeah, that they're, we sort of assume it's an expression of the directors, what they find hot. Yeah. How and fair like, is what that? If I, what if it's embarrassing and what if I say yeah. something that's weird? I mean, or do like, you think it's what fair if my, to... What if my sex is wrong? Like, what if the yeah. way I've been doing it or the way that I like it is so weird to other people? Well, that's another thing about movie sex that is tricky it's like every movie sex scene is like the best sex that characters ever had and it's ecstatic and incredibly hot you know or at least they're acting that way mm-hmm. and that makes me think like how often you, you can go, go in the other direction you can have really bad sex well true you can yeah. yeah it can be purposefully awkward but if the scene is about these two people have great chemistry and are going to be lovers you know it's going to be like spectacular sex you're supposed to think the characters feel that way so like how often do you go into like a sex scene in your own life where you're hooking up with someone for the first time and you're like, I'd love to be a mediocre lover. You know, like (laughs) I want this to go okay. Like isn't there some part of you that every new partner, like you want to be the best lay of their life or you want to be great at something? Like, Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do. It makes me there are think probably about some people who are just like, I hope this goes okay. <laughs> um, I set the expectations really low. Yeah as, yeah, as someone who used to have a lot of fear about sex, like just yeah. please let let this go. Like okay, yeah. <laughs> let me not embarrass myself horribly in this situation. But I th- like, if I'm honest, I think sometimes the other person approving of me or being impressed by me is as important as my own pleasure in any sexual scenario. And I wonder if that's like a gender thing. Performance anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you want to be great at sex. As much as you want to go into that situation and get off and enjoy yourself, the other huge half of it is like I want to be impressive to this other person. Mm -hmm. I want to perform well. Well, And when you're on set as a director, are you feeling like you want the – approval of your actors of your own sexual desires as you're directing you know what i mean like if you're if you're sketching out something you you probably think is hot are you also looking for them to be like yes that is hot no i don't think i have an ego in that way like most scenes it's like i think your fight is going to happen in this way or this conversation is going to go like that so you kind of face little rejections all day where it's like (laughs) okay you're going to come in and grab your hat and then walk the well why am i wearing a hat um I don't know. I just thought you should grab a hat. I think that's stupid. Okay. So you don't grab the hat. So you come in. (laughs) Like you kind of – those little micro, do you think this is a good idea? And the actor fact checks and says like, I don't think that seems real. I love that. That's how you make a scene feel real. Mm. So shooting a sex scene and having the actor say like, this seems silly. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what about this, this, or this? But I think it is true that in your actual sex life and when you're getting the little like micro like is this action okay is that action okay which happens 100% like during a date for instance yeah like yeah like is it okay if we sit here is it okay if we order these things you get a huge compression of is this okay is that okay is this okay is that okay when you're fucking yeah over the course of five minutes there's like 
a hundred is this okay right. that are implicitly And like, am happening. I doing a good job? And is there something you wish I was doing that you're not saying? Like, there's you're reading the subtext so much of the time. Yeah, yeah it's a lot in subtext. It's not. I feel like it's not often as open as like. Actually, I don't think I want to pick up the hat. No, like no, yeah. never. Like, let me not pick up the hat. Never. Yeah, like the actors are your collaborator throughout the whole the whole movie, and as Pam says, you get these little rejections or changes uh, in any scene that you're doing. And when you're directing a sex scene, like, yes, while it may be a little uncomfortable, I agree that when they don't like something or want to change something because it doesn't feel right, whether it's a sex scene or another scene, it uh, it kind of rolls off my back as a director. Like, even though the scene itself is is vulnerable, they uh, the dialogue with the actor doesn't... Yeah. That safety of that dialogue doesn't have to change. They can be vocal about what they like and don't like in any sort of situation. Which is maybe a good rule for sex. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like literally yeah. just trying to apply all of these of the yeah, the sort of the the micro negotiation of just like the relationship itself and what happens. Yeah, because you if, are a party if people, in the sex scene. And if people made that subtext into text, like, would you want that or would you not? You know, like so if someone weird. was like, "Hey, you use a little too much tongue." Uh, well, there are also so many things that you can't actually. Like that's you know, not my clit. I that... don't know how you've gotten this far in life and don't Whoa, know that. Whoa, that's a belly button, dude. <laughs> Our guests have been Pamela Romanowski and Joey Kuhn, directors of The Adderall Diaries and Those People. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And also thanks for sticking around as we're going to listen to one voicemail, one dream voicemail. So last week, um, Dr. Kelly Bulkley joined us for an in-depth exploration of sex dreams. We mainly talked about the ways that dreams are a non-literal way of expressing various psychological yearnings. But as you'll hear in this call, sometimes sex dreams literally come true. Hi, Sex Lives. It's Alyssa Shalasky. So I had a close male friend who lived in London. I met him at sleepaway camps <laughs> where um, nothing ever happened. I never crushed on him or I never looked at him in like a sexy, doable way at all. And then when I was a freshman in college, totally out of the blue, totally random, I had this intense and beautiful sex dream about the two of us. Again, I had never barely thought twice about this guy since sleepaway camp. Um, but in the dream, the sex was so hot and our bodies were so in sync. And on top of that, he was like so tender and boyfriendly and it all felt so wonderful and sweet and real. So I woke up the next day and the aftermath of the sex dream just had me in such a state. Um, I felt like I barely had any other option but to fly to London and see this guy. So I booked a trip immediately. He was single at the time. Um, and I think psyched to hear from me, especially I, because I hinted that I had some wild dream about us um, and that I had to see what it was all about. So I got to London and I pretty much jumped him. Um, and it was all as phenomenal and 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 like sensual and right as it felt in the dream. Um, so we ended up dating for uh, almost two years, and it was a, an amazing relationship. Um, and it was all because of that dream. Before we talk about the actual dream, I just want to point out that last week I said that I assumed whenever anybody told me they had a dream about me that it was a sex dream, and you laughed at me. 
But that's exactly what I've happened I've been here. proven wrong, and I've been proven wrong by the woman with the sexiest story on the planet. So <laughs> you win. <laughs> no, that um, that is amazing because like we're talking about that idea of when people react to their dreams. Like Kelly was talking about Jung's idea of the big dream and how a dream can maybe scare you and upset you and keep you away from somebody for your life. But in this case, it very literally caused her in her waking life to go after this guy that she hadn't even thought of that way. Yeah, I wonder like how closely her... The sex that she had with him matched the sex that she had had with her in her dream, she or said she it felt was exact. Yeah, so wildly romantic. Sort of yeah. hard to believe that though. No, <laughs> I mean, I was like, "You lucky bitch." <laughs> her dreams. Great. <laughs> her dreams came true. Yeah, she's like in my. She dream, made them come true. Yeah. yeah. I usually have terrible sex in dreams. It's way better in real life. Thank God. Oh, I have pretty good sex in my dreams. I think it's all it's over. Isn't, isn't it just like all over the map for everybody? It's like, how could you have good sex with like a tomato or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it for Sex Lives this week. A reminder, you can always reach us at 646-494-3590. This week, call us and tell us your favorite movie sex scenes. Sex Lives is produced, as always, by Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. See you next week, and thanks for listening.